Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Coleman, could you do me a favor? Look at this. I'm like looking around for my water bottle. It's right in front of me on the floor. Thank you, sir. The whole time I was sitting there and I thought, oh, I left it up in the pulpit. I could have had a drink. Well, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, Hey, thank you. I want to say thank you to, to everyone. Uh, so many of you guys uh, reached out and prayed. A lot of you guys brought us food and different things um, over this last week or so uh, as we've been stuck at home. And um, Amanda and the kids are still there. Amanda's still feeling pretty crummy. And so continue to keep her in your prayers over the next few days as we uh, she recovers from COVID. So, um, but all in all, uh, God's good and, and, and we uh, has kept us from a lot of the of uh, some more extreme symptoms that I know that many of you and other people have, have had so um, but I wanted to I wanted to be here and I really I really wanted to finish the book of Romans this morning uh, with you and so here we are in these last last few verses in this doxology and with Christmas coming later this week, I wanted to ask you an, a, a really important question. As you know, in my introductions, when I say it's a really important question, it typically means it's not that important of a question. But um, stick with me. Uh, what, what makes a good gift? You know, Christmas is coming up. I'm sure that you've bought gifts for your kids or for other people. But what, what makes a really good gift? Well, perhaps you've received gifts in the past, and you kind of think about the gifts that you've received and the ones that were really tremendous. And, and what are the qualities there that make them, those gifts, so good? What makes the best kind of gift? I, I, I'm guessing that many of us will probably have a little bit different answer to this question. Maybe there's some different things that you appreciate in a gift, but there's a few things that, that, I, that I think are fairly universal. And I was trying to think of some examples of gifts that were really good that I received in the past. And, you know, I could think of things like when I was a kid, I think I was maybe eight, and my parents got us, uh, uh, I got a mountain bike, you know, my first like mountain bike, like legit bike, you know, and it's like sweet, had brakes and gears and stuff, whatever. And, uh, you know, so that, that was a really good gift. Um, but, but the one that came to my mind as I considered this was uh, a gift that Amanda gave me early on in our marriage, just in the first few years of our marriage. And, and it was in a time when we really especially didn't have very much money, right? You know, your, your first years of marriage and you're just trying to kind of figure things out and, and you don't have a lot of money. And 
And she gives me this gift, and, and I unwrap it, and it's, uh, it's a, a Kindle, an Amazon Kindle, right? And it, was, it turned out to be one of the best gifts um, that she's ever given me, interestingly enough. And here's why. Here's why it was so good. First, it was an incredibly thoughtful gift. It was an incredibly thoughtful gift. It was in a season of life um, when I really was beginning to read a lot more books. Some, you'd think, you know, uh, in school and things, you'd read a lot of books, but I didn't. I tried to see how little of the books that I was assigned I could read and still get a good grade. That was like my goal. Uh, But then sometime after school was done, like when I was totally done with school and I was like, hey, remember those things called books? I should read those. That might be fun. When no one required it of me anymore, then I decided I wanted to do this. And so I started to read and began to read more and more and more. And Amanda noticed that. And knowing me and, and seeing the desire and even the need that I had there, she She got me a gift that was thoughtful. It was both desirable to me, but also incredibly practical to me. And I think those are some of the best gifts, ones that are not just fun, but actually improve your life. You you actually use them, you know? The second thing is that it was very much not expected. Some of the best gifts are the ones that you don't anticipate, right? We, like I said, we didn't have very much money, and so to go out and to buy a Kindle was like, uh, she had to have saved for months to buy this for me, you know, and she went all out. I mean, she got like the case with the little light that came out and the whole deal. I mean, she got the whole, the whole thing start to finish. There was no parts missing here, and, and I kid you not, she must have had to save her, her money for six months to get me this Kindle. It's totally totally not expected, and I had, I had no idea. You know, like sometimes when someone gives you something and you kind of look at the box and you're like, oh, I know what they got me. Like I was in the dark. She's way better at that than me. I, I get her anything, and she like looks once at the wrapped gift, and she's like, oh, you got me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how did you know? And I'm like completely in the dark. So I don't know if that's like a husband-wife thing or what. Uh, the, the, third, the third thing is, is that um, it was the gift that kept on giving. That's how I'll say it. Like I said, it, it wasn't just a gift that's cool at first, and, it, and then you find it like a year later at the bottom of your closet, you know? And you're like, oh, that was really cool. And I have forgot that I had that for the last nine months. Like I was, I was literally using it all the time. And the true value of the gift really came out in the books that I was able to read from it, Right? Not the Kindle itself, but all the books that I was able to read from that point on. And it was really, I found myself months, even years later, thanking Amanda, like thinking to myself, man, I'm so thankful that Amanda got me this gift. That is until I laid it on my bed and Ryder came and stomped on it and broke it. Wah, wah, wah. But it's inevitable to happen, you know, when you've got like a five-year-old boy. So... That's how old he was at the time anyways. At any rate, all that to say, you're like, that's the longest intro ever about gifts. All that to say, as Paul wraps up this letter, this final doxology of the the letter to the Romans, and and he, he wraps it up with this praise to God. And he forms his praise around the content of his letter. 
If you, if you look closely, you'll see that, that all of these words, they're, they're not just stock language. It's, he's meaningfully wrapping around how he's praising God, around the content of the letter that he just wrote, around this best gift that's ever been given, the gift of the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God for salvation, he said. It's this wonderful news that shapes how a church and how believers ought to believe and how they ought to behave. And we can see in these last three verses that the gospel is the best kind of gift. It's a gift that's the most meaningful. It's a gift that was unexpected. And it's a gift, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And so I want to talk about these three reasons why we ought to glorify God, just as Paul does here, for his gift of the gospel. So I like to talk about this morning. So let's look more closely at each of these things. First, the gospel is the gift that is the most thoughtful. Most thoughtful. In verse 25, it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, or verse 27, I mean, identifies him, the him of verse 25, as the wise God. He, God, is able to, it says. It, it, it is by his power that we are strengthened. And, and, and what does it mean when it says strengthened? It, to strengthen you, it, it's, it's that we are established, that we are solidified, if you will. That's what that word means, that we would be established or solidified. In what way? In what way are we established in solidified by God's power. <clears throat> well, in context, based on how he does it, through the, that is through the gospel, and, and what it brings about that we see in verse 26, that is obedience of faith, we know that it's by God's power that we are established or solidified in faith as believers. You and I, we don't establish ourselves. We don't solidify ourselves. We don't strengthen ourselves. No, it's by God's power that this happens. And it happens in accordance with or in alignment with what we find in the gospel that Paul has just laid out for 16 chapters. That, that we all are sinful, that we all reject God, and yet Christ died for sinners, and that by faith in Him, we can be justified and we can be found right before God. This establishing by God is brought about, how, what does it say? It's brought about by the preaching or by the proclaiming of this gospel. The word here for proclaim, it's like the word for a public herald. Like the town crier going around saying, hear ye, hear ye. God gives this gift through his people to make the truth of the gospel known to one another and to others. And through that, he establishes and solidifies people in faith. You know, one of the most, one of the most amazing things, most thoughtful things about the way that God does this is that he, he actually, his plan is to do it through you, church. 
that through you, that when you proclaim the gospel even to one another, that God, through his power, solidifies the other in their faith. What an amazingly thoughtful God to not only do that in you, but to do that through you. Getting gifts, for me, it, it feels a little bit like the ro- a roll of the dice. Sometimes, you know, I think, this is the perfect gift. And then my wife opens it and she's like, eh, thanks. Thanks for that. Sometimes, uh, you know, I've got something, I'm like, oh, I don't know, this is going to be a very good gift. And then I give it and, and, it, and someone just loves it. And I'm just like, wow, of all the gifts, that's the one that is just, you know, you're so thankful for. I don't know if that's true for you. A number of years ago, my nephews were really young, and um, we weren't sure. And like I said, this is about the same time as the Kindle thing has happened, so we don't got a lot of money, right? And so we're trying to stretch the budget. We're going, okay, how do we, how do we get a gift for everyone within this constraints of amount, you know, amount of money that we have? And, and so we're just, you know, we didn't have any kids at the time, and <clears throat> so we got a lot of time on our hands walking around Target. We're like looking for something like, man, we got to find something for these boys that they're going to love, but it's got to be within this price range. How are we going to do this? And we came across um, a Star Wars potato head mint, okay? And my, my nephews at the time still loved Star Wars. And so we, we got them uh, Darth Tater and a Spud Trooper. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, gosh, you know, like, whew, I, I think maybe they'll like this at least somewhat. Like, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And, and come to find out, uh, they're like, for days after Christmas, they're like sleeping with, you know, Darth Tater, you know? Like, he's coming to bed with them, you know? Like, they're six and seven years old or whatever, right? And so we're just like, yes! We hit the jackpot, the gift chat. We were the cool and the uncle. We did it this year, you know, like finally. And th- again, this year I'm going, what am I going to, they're like 19 and 18 now. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get them this year, right? I don't think that Star Wars Potato Head Men would work now, but it did then. You, you try to be thoughtful and you try to find something that, that even they hadn't thought of that they even wanted, right? See, the gift that God gives us in his son, it's so thoughtful because it's given by the one whose thoughts are beyond our thoughts, so beyond them that not only is it what we need and we didn't realize we needed it, but it's what we truly want and we never realized that's what we truly wanted. You see, What's amazing about the gift of the gospel is that all these areas of our life where we think we need this or we really want that, even when we get those things, even when we end up getting that thing, even when that Mr. Star Wars potato head is under the tree that you never knew you wanted and and now it's like, oh, this is the greatest gift ever. Eventually, those things get tossed to the side. Eventually, they don't, they don't typically bring as much satisfaction as what we had hoped. But in Christ, in 
Christ, we aren't just strengthened and established for a little while. It's a gift that lasts. It's a gift that that actually makes every other, that actually elevates every other gift that we receive. See, all those desires that we have, they're, they're just like, they're like shadows of that which we really need and that which we really want. Even if we don't realize, even if we don't realize that that's what we've been wanting the whole time. And God, through Christ, has given us a gift in the gospel that not only is what we need, but it meets all of those yearnings that we have. I love how um, C.S. Lewis says it. He says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I wonder how many things we've been longing for and we've been yearning for and we think will satisfy, but all along we have the gift right here that will truly meet that need and that desire. That's the real Christmas magic, isn't it? That when we allow Christ to transform us and to guide us, that every other good gift that we receive, it's, it's elevated, it, it increases. It's, it's, like, it's like in Christ, it actually satisfies us how it was created to satisfy us, but outside of Christ, it never does. I think that's part of what is so unexpected. Mystery of the gospel. The gospel, it's the gift we never expected, right? And yet, it's the gift that was always planned from the beginning. In the last year, Josie, she really wanted this Lego airplane, Lego friends airplane. It's this airplane, and you'd open up the cockpit, and you could open up the passenger area, and then in the back, you could open it up, and there was like a little lavatory in there with a toilet, and underneath the toilet was a little brown pig, Lego pig. It was genius. I was like, they did not, and she's like, they did, and I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> it was the best. <clears throat> At any rate, she did not think it was possible that she could, kids don't always have the best grasp of like how much things cost or what money is, right? But she had enough of a grasp to go, that's expensive. I don't think there's any way that I'm getting that. And, and in truth, there was no way she was getting that from me, right? Like, dad was not going to buy that. However, grandpa caught wind that she wanted the Lego airplane, and he made it happen, right? Because that's what grandpa does. And all month, she's talking about how all these, she had this list of things that she wanted. At the very top is Lego airplane, Lego airplane, Lego airplane. And, she, and every time she talks about it, she goes, yeah, but I'm not going to get the Lego airplane. It's too expensive. Grandpa comes over for Christmas. She unwraps the gift. And it's the Lego airplane. And you would have thought that she just unwrapped a billion dollars. I mean, I have never, I have never seen someone flip out so much for a gift. I mean, her face turned, was red from, I mean, she just lost it. I mean, I, I, I think we have it on camera. 
it, is, it was truly, truly remarkable. And she's like, I never thought I would ever be able to get this ever, ever. And here it is. I mean, she just lost it, right? The gift that was never expected. In the passage this morning, it says, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed. What's it saying? This gift, this gift of the gospel, it was first of all revealed in Christ. It, was, it has now been disclosed. That's what we await as we celebrate Advent. The birth of Christ is like the unwrapping of a gift that's been under the tree since before the world's foundation was formed. Long it's been there. And second, it was foretold in the Old Testament. We know it was this gift, not only because it's revealed in Jesus, but because we can look back and we can see how the prophets were telling us what was under the tree all of this time. If we go back all the way to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, to the very, very beginning, we already get hints, we already get prophecy that this is the gift that will come. This is the best gift. And yet, with all that anticipation, it still remained a mystery. See, the Old Testament, it all but unwraps Christ, and yet the gospel was still unexpected in how it would happen and what it would mean. It's like having, <clears throat> it's like having a really conspicuously shaped gift for someone. But instead of putting it in a box and disguising what the thing is, you just wrap it how it is. Uh, my, my niece lives with us, and all last year, whenever it snowed, she would have to borrow my, my windshield scraper, right? All year, all winter. Never went and got one. Just borrowed mine whenever it snowed, right? Or I'd see her out there, you know, with her sleeve, and she'd be like trying to run, you know, doing this thing, and I'd be like, I'd go out there and unlock my car, pull out my scraper, come over, you know, and scraper windshield or what, what have you. All year. So, you know what I did? She's getting a windshield scraper for Christmas, right? Shh, don't tell her, okay? Except, I can say this because rather than putting it in a box, I actually just wrapped it like in the shape of a windshield <laughs> scraper, right? Like one of those nice long ones with the, like the little handles, you know, and it's got a brush on one side so you can feel the brush and it's got the scraper on the other. And I just wrapped it like that. And I'm like, hey, Kylie. Did you see? We got you a gift. It's under the tree, you know? And she's coming up and she's like, hold on a second. Is this, is this like one of those windshield scrapers? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I just really wanted to tell that story. Um, no, we, we read back now in the Old Testament. And we read the prophecies that, that were written. And we think, of course. That's so conspicuous, right? And yet, and yet they could not. It was a mystery. It was a secret. It was a secret. Because, because knowing then the whole plan wasn't part of God's plan. Not only has it been revealed in Christ, not only was it foretold by the prophets, but it says here 
that it was kept by the wise God. That in his wisdom, for it to happen the way it did was the best plan. That we could look back and go, oh, God knew the whole time. He had it under control the whole time. The entire plan that we could have never guessed, it's all been according to the command of the eternal God. And there's this, this interesting kind of linguistic play on words here that gets lost in translation. When it says long ages, it was kept, the secret was kept for long ages. And then it says here that it, that it was by the command of the eternal God. That it's using similar words Even though the secret was kept for long ages, it doesn't stay a secret because those long ages are trumped by an eternal God. The long ages can't keep it a secret because when the eternal God says, open that gift, that gift is opened. gospel. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It's not like the Jelly of the Month Club either. This is is the gift that really keeps on giving. There are two related outcomes from the gospel, from this gift that that was unwrapped on Christmas Day that continue to reverberate until the, and will continue to reverberate until the end of history. Excuse me. The way in which the gospel has been made known to all nations and that it might bring about the obedience of faith. That's what our text says in verse 26. To put that another way, the the gospel is a gift that is far wider and far deeper than you ever imagined. And it continues to expand in the world, and it continues to deepen in us. See, Romans has told us that the gospel has come through the Jews, even as Jesus was born a Jew, but in order that all nations might be saved. And that gospel is not just that we can know about that salvation. It's not even just that we might be saved and one day get to go to heaven, but that, that this saving faith would actually cause us would bring about in us obedience. Paul does not draw such a hard line between faith and obedience that we tend to draw in our life. They are, or in our our way of thinking, they are two different things, but they are necessarily related. They are like two sides of one coin, obedience and faith. At the very beginning of Romans, Paul said that he's a servant of Christ Jesus, set apart for the gospel of God. To do what? To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. And he expresses the same thing here at the end, giving glory to God that he has made the gospel known to all nations in order to bring about the obedience of faith. In fact, If we even look at Jesus' own words in Matthew 28, what does he say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do what? To observe all that I have commanded you. Not to know, not to hear about, not to disregard, but to observe. Observe. 
The ultimate purpose of the gospel is that God's name would be made known. And the penultimate purpose is that we might have obedience of faith. Our lives would really truly be transformed by this gift. It's not merely that the gospel saved some people, but that it continues to spread all across the world and penetrate countries and cities and neighborhoods. Transforming communities, transforming whole civilizations and producing wonderful results as we align ourselves to God's will. It's not just that the gospel saved you back then, Christian. It's not just that you got a gift back then, Christian. And now you can just do whatever you want and you've got a check you can cash when you die. That is not the gift of the gospel. You leave so much under the tree. But it should continue. It does continue to penetrate into your heart and into your mind and into every aspect of your life, transforming it and continuing to pour out this gift upon gift upon gift as you align your life to what is good, pleasing, and perfect to God. God saved you in order that your will would be transformed to his will in order that creation would obey its creator and thus all aspects of our life would be enhanced. I mean, think. If God created the whole world, everything, and how it should function, Why would we think that doing something other than what God would want us to do would fun- make that, th- that creation function better? It stands to reason that the one who created it would know what is best for it. And so when you think about and you hear the phrase obedience of faith, you might think to yourself, oh, obedience, I don't like to do obedience. But obedience of faith is the best thing for you. It is the gift. (coughs) Christian, do you see all of your life as being transformed by the gospel? Is it Jesus you run to for every need and desire? Is it the gospel that you recognize brings every good thing in your life? Listen, if the gospel hasn't been reshaping and shaping your beliefs and your behaviors, it's not the gospel's problem. It's not a problem with the good news of Jesus Christ. And listen, if you are not yet a Christian, do you realize that this gift, this best gift of all is being offered to you as well. Just as it has been revealed to all the nations. You see, all of Romans has been about the best gift of all, the gift of the gospel. Paul says, And said that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's revealed 
the righteousness of God. And by it, we are justified by his grace as a gift. And through it, through faith in it, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Because of it, we can rejoice in suffering and we can endure sufferings. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. That that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And by it, we have been set free from sin and we have become slaves of God instead. And the fruit that we get from that leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Thus, even though we continue to wage war or sin continues to wage war in us, yet there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Father has adopted us and we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And through all this, all creation groans with us because of sin. We know, we know that God, though, will finish the work he started and that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And though, even though humanity continues to reject him, the word of God has not failed, but God is revealing his merciful purposes that in his name, that his name might be proclaimed in all of the earth. And if it's proclaimed, then people will hear. And if it's heard, then people will, will believe and they will confess with their mouths and they will believe in their hearts that Jesus is the Savior and Lord and they will be saved. And we know that will happen because God has always preserved for himself a people through which he is now reconciling the world and grafting them into his family tree. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. And so we delight, we delight to offer our lives as a living sacrifice to him who gives us life, knowing that it is him who has the power and the wisdom to make the most of that life, not us. Let us glorify him through Jesus Christ forevermore. Amen.